politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, society, and civilization. Everything there in between is on the line here. Today, August 30th, it's Wednesday. Daniel Hurwitz, your host back here in the house at CR Podcast Blaze Media. And what is the biggest impediment preventing us from actually fighting for all of those things? Well, it's simple. The people are left ignorant about the issues that matter in the way they matter at the time they matter. Why are they left that way? Because the people who sell themselves as the guardians of that, that preemptively occupy the space of the opposition leadership designed to combat all of this disquiet. Here's what it boils down to. They don't have the courage to stand up to tyranny when it actually matters. And the reality is, Everyone is scared. All my colleagues, they are scared of losing something. They don't want to. It's they don't want to have to sacrifice a piece of gum. You know, if they earn fifty million dollars in politics, they don't want to only earn forty nine million dollars. But because everyone is scared of losing something, we're all going to lose everything. And it's very appropriate. We're going to have coming up. Lieutenant Mark Bashaw is one of the two people we were fundraising with our legacy uh, signature copied, signed copies of Rise of the Fourth Reich. Sorry to say they're all sold out. We sold out all 1,000. So thankful to you. It's going to go to their legal defense. And we heard from Sam Sigloff. We're going to hear from Mark today. But I was thinking he had the courage to stand up to tyranny. No, I will not wear a mask. I will not get testing. I will not get the vaccine. It's against law because it's emergency use. All three are emergency use. And he was court-martialed. And he was eventually kicked out of the military. And he's left destitute with nothing now after 17 and a half years in the military. And I'm thinking, there is no person who has less leverage than a grunt in the military. I mean, you're your own. You have no sovereignty. You sign away your life. And yet he had the courage to stand up. And yet we have people, either they are governors of trifecta supermajority of red states. They could do anything they want to push back on this stuff, whether it's COVID or other things. You have the GOP-controlled Congress that could engage in brinkmanship against the most inarticulate, dead, incompetent, unpopular Democrat president on issues that really, I mean, most of the issues, at least not concerning Trump, are popular with swing voters. Or Or these talk show hosts that, wield a lot of influence or potentially wield influence and are too scared to wield that influence over the issues and over the people that it would make the greatest impact because they're scared of losing something, which is so negligible. It's The contrast to our next guest is just unbelievable. And you you look right now and you see, again, on the one hand... We have never been faced with so many existential threats to our life, liberty, property, and way of life in its most literal foundational sense from our own government. Yet we've never had such an opportunity to redress it because of the Overton window and how unpopular and you know how much melees there is. 
And at the same time, we've never had so many people superficially tapping into that disquiet, but then ensuring that nothing is done about it. And this adoration for Trump as an end to itself is becoming a paralysis. It is just unbelievable. Now, I remember people couldn't even handle a couple days of a speaker's fight. Oh, Daniel, we're, we're, we're embarrassing. We're going to lose a couple days of the brand new amazing house majority. Thinking back seven, eight months, all the amazing things we were supposed to do, they did nothing except for raising the debt ceiling uh, by trillions of dollars. They couldn't even handle the so-called messiness of a few days of a speaker's fight. 90% of conservative talkers dumped on the effort. And a big part of it was because Mitha Trump supported Kevin McCarthy and then won't wield the influence over him to engage in a defund fight. But before we get into the main course today, I'd be remiss not to mention this blockbuster interview um, on Glenn Beck's show. Glenn, you know, our, our colleague, our leader here, Glenn, interviewed Trump about maybe 15, 16 minutes, make sure you look at Tuesday's show. Go back and listen to it. I don't have time to play the clips now, but go back and listen to the whole thing. And just the general sense from it is that Glenn kept teeing up Trump. He set it up for him to talk about the future. He kept asking, like, aren't, aren't you concerned about going to jail? What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about the economy? What are we going to do? I mean, he set that up for him. And every second, Trump either spoke about himself or brought it back to the past. And before I continue just on, on the interview, the, what is going on with this hurricane, I don't understand how it is not called out. Trump is a former president who is a resident of Florida. He has not uttered a word about the hurricane, at least as of 11 a.m. Eastern Wednesday morning. And while it was landing on the West Coast, he was bashing DeSantis. Couldn't just suspend that for half a day. Is this a man that you think wakes up every day and is thinking, what could I do to advance the cause of liberty? What could I do for the people? Do you really think that? Certainly as contrasted to the person who he hates and has gotten everyone else to hate. But this idolatry that now you're not allowed to talk about the hurricane, even if you're a Florida prominent official. It is such idolatry, and that's the idolatry getting people to say you can't talk about COVID now and the vaccines because of the Trump. So anyway, let's first talk about the going to jail. So Glenn asked him, do you fear going, you know, campaigning from jail? And unbelievably, he said, that's not going to happen. We have a very strong defense. And he basically went on to say it's the same thing as Mueller and the Russian collusion. It's going to fall apart. Now, the difference is that there were no charges with the grand jury. I mean, there's no case. It was still at an investigation level. They have 91 charges against him, combined federal and state, combined for over 700 years in prison or something, maximum 700 years in prison. 
There is no way the government goes zero for 91, especially with three out of the four places being places you can't get a fair jury. I mean, we all saw those members of the grand jury in Atlanta just chomping at the bit, laughing about the giddy about the opportunity to indict a former president. What is no one has explained why does Trump think the petty jury will be less biased than the grand jury? I'm just I'm not understanding that. But we we were all wondering, like, what is Trump thinking? Well, he laid it out to Glenn. He's not worried about it. It's all a game. Now, you'll ask me, Daniel, why? Again, it's one of two things. Either it's all a game and there's some sort of deal there. Either he's already promised some sort of plea deal to walk away from. I don't know. Or he's just so aloof. But whatever it is, the same aloofness that thinks that warp speed saved lives and that Jeffrey Epstein somehow killed himself like he told Tucker, whatever it is, that's a problem. You might not be worried, Trump, but we all are. They just... They just sentenced, uh, not sentenced, but convicted five pro-life activists on two federal charges. DOJ just bragged this, blasted it out for blocking ac- access to an abortion clinic. Now, you see all over the country now and all over the world, there are these climate gurus that are blocking major highways, very dangerous. Not a single one is serving prison time, to my knowledge. These people are on the hook for 11 years, and... You know, it's much less to block access to an abortion clinic, which is off the roads, than a major highway is much more dangerous. They're not being convicted on what they did. It's because of what they believe, obviously. This is real. I actually believe it. This is what's so frustrating about all my colleagues. Daniel, we can't live a moment. They're locking him up. The man himself says he's not worried about being locked up and he just wants to sell merchandise. And you don't care. Something doesn't compute. See, I don't have the idolatry in reverse that all I care about is hating on Trump, even though I dislike a lot of things about it. So therefore, it's all his fault. And this whole thing is a sham. And I only want to talk about the vaccines and the border and the tranny stuff and the Green New Deal and yada yada. No, the political targeting is huge. Two things are true at the same time. And that's why I'm so pissed off at Trump. Because he's actually serving as a controlled opposition against that issue too. But then he goes on to say that his handling of COVID was great. How quick he got ventilators. He's back on the ventilators, the lockdown, the warp speed. How is that okay? I don't understand. Uttered no word about the hurricanes. How is this okay? I don't get it. I just don't get it. Is there anything this man can do ideologically to the left, morally decadent, just out of bounds, that will elicit even a mild rebuke from my colleagues. I, I, I cannot live with that. You want to say on net, you want to support a certain candidate, Support no candidate's going to be exactly the way you want, and that's fine. And on net, you have a reason you want to support one. I don't care. But the notion 
everything good DeSantis does gets either trashed or shadow banned, and everything bad Trump does is not a problem. That is a that's a long term problem. We can't recover from that. I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. Anyway, before I forget, our sponsor today, our friends at BarrelBuddy.com, I have really found my number one method of cleaning guns now. I will never, ever return to those cloths that get stuck in the barrel and, and, and get ripped upon the other metal pieces of the gun when you take it apart to clean it. This, it buffs it clean, 360 degree compression, even application of the solvent doesn't drip or splatter, doesn't get you dirty, um, and it doesn't rip. The cartridges are amazing. You get 50 of these Barrel Buddy cartridges in one pack for less than 15 bucks. That's more than a year's worth of cleaning, the most efficient, cleanest w- way of doing it. And look, you're going to support people in our um, our orbit that listen to our show, Patriots. I don't know why they've not gotten more acceptance in the gun movement uh, it's a really a good product. It's kind of bizarre, but you guys have been great supporting them. So again, go to BarrelBuddy.com today to get 50 of these to clean your guns uh, for at least a full year, less than 15 bucks. Don't let your guns go dirty. Well, we need a cleaning of our own movement. It is rotted, rotted out. And and by the way, now that we're just on public service announcements, I want to make sure I don't forget a couple, couple of things to point out. Our friends at the Global Health Project, this is Dr. Kat Lindley, um, they are pushing, they have a concert uh, to help the victims of Maui, uh, Lahaina. Obviously, there's something very, very dark going on there with the government saying 115 people are dead, but there's at least 1,000 missing children. Even the APs are reporting that. And they, they just the whole before, during, and after does not add up. There's too many coincidences to be just bad blue state governance, you know, kind of the opposite of what you see with DeSantis in Florida with the hurricanes, but it still doesn't account for it. So um, if you remember Dr. Kirk Milhone, he was a pediatric cardiologist that we had on to talk a lot about myocarditis. So he lives in Hawaii. He's also a pastor and has a church and they're putting on this concert on Saturday to benefit Maui and, uh, it's it's 100% of the proceeds are going to the victims. So you could text Mahalo, Mahola, Mahalo, whatever. I, um, I guess it's some sort of Hawaiian word. M-A-H-A-L-O, M-A-H-L-A-A, ah, M-A-H-A-L-O to 53555 to donate today. Uh, very worthy cause. Amazing, amazing people behind it so it's kind of our covid patriots that are pushing this even though it has nothing to do with with that issue also i just want to give a shout out to our friends at tennessee stands uh gary humble and those guys um terrific state group fighting legislative sessions i was going to have gary on today to talk about the tennessee special session on red flags but they they shed light on it and they pressured them they adjourned so they adjourned with no runs no hits no errors 
Um, so that is great work on their part. So we don't need to have him on to discuss this, but I wanted to give them the credit for really doing great work there. We need that in every state. But again, it's a shame that we have to put our efforts to playing defense, not to make things worse in red states, rather than having special sessions on the COVID vaccine stuff, on the on the Green New Deal stuff, on the tranny stuff, on the illegal immigration stuff. But anyway... So back to the interview, Trump sits and pimps ventilators and the vaccines and all that stuff. Um, Glenn asks him, obviously, about going to jail. He's like, nah, I'm not going to go, no problem. Um, he tees up question a question by saying a Democrat caller called him and said she was voting for a Republican. He asked Trump if he could give people hope for the future regarding the economy. Um, and that's when he talked about ventilators. It was weird. Um, he asked him, you know, how we could have fair elections because the GOP does nothing about election integrity. So Trump goes on to a long diatribe about being persecuted. Uh, again, no, no confidence, no plan for the future. He mentions... De-sanctimonious, um, is very disloyal, nothing to do with anything, <laughs> never answers the question. Um, he defeated ISIS. He asked about Ramaswampy, and Trump slurped him up incessantly and said that he'd be a great VP. And then Trump ended by complaining about Mitch McConnell, all the while never mentioning the fact that not only did he support him going into his presidency, but even three and a half years into McConnell obstructing the MAGA agenda, he preemptively endorsed him against his own supporters. June 20th, 2020, look it up. Mitch has my full and complete endorsement. Um, again, that was not just day one. You could say maybe you wanted to unite the party. No. So, again, nothing matters. He'll never be held accountable. And this is not about him. It's certainly not about DeSantis. This has been the problem that I've been experiencing my entire career, whatever is the GOP flavor of the day, rather than wielding their influence to pressure and move the GOP to the right, the Republican media apparatus serves as nothing but a protection racket for the flavor of the day, covers for it. And again, it's the same reason why they're not pressuring Christy Nome to hold a special session on the land grab. No one wants to get on her bad side, even though they could totally influence. You can't influence Biden. You can't influence the media. You can influence red states. You can influence Kevin McCarthy on having a defund fight. But none of that. None of that. Truly a disgrace. And again, just to build up to our guest, speaking about courage, and, and we might get into this a little bit more tomorrow, but an unbelievable story I almost missed took place. What are, I identified two impediments to red states becoming red. There's two reasons why red states aren't red, even if the Republicans as governor or leading the legislature are somewhat predisposed to believe in what we believe in. They're not complete frauds, but there's two Achilles heels they have. The, politi- the corporate politics and the identity politics. In other words, 
they all fit into one of those two lanes. They're either too scared to cross identity politics. I don't want to be accused of being anti-black or anti-Hispanic. Hence, they fall down on immigration, crime, um, even a lot of fiscal issues because they'll say you're, you're going to harm black citizens um, or corporate politics. And they often overlap because at the end of the day, the biggest employers in the state, they want criminal justice to form. They want illegal immigrants. They want... COVID fascism because healthcare is usually the number one employer. And and then even the other stuff, the tranny stuff, all that stuff, they they back it um, as part of the whole corporate wokeness. That's the problem you have. And we, we pointed out that it's not just that DeSantis has done things more efficiently, more conservative stuff than anyone else did, but that he has particularly shown that he will take the largest employers, the sugar lobby, Disney, and he'll He'll, he'll not just do the conservative thing despite their opposition, but he'll directly take them on. And when it comes to identity politics, doesn't care, illegal immigration, crime, criminal justice more than any other governor, boom, 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 boom. Um, and then obviously the curriculum, he'll go after AP African American studies. No one else will do it. By the way, by the way, there is one other state that is now doing it, Arkansas, under Huckabee Sanders, because she picked as her education, Secretary of Education, uh, a DeSantis alumni at the Department of Education in Florida who was involved in doing it in Florida. So we're starting to see that grow legs as a movement. And this is exactly what we need. Remember, more than being president is if we had every Red state trifecta state run by a guy like DeSantis. We would have a different country. Not just because they'd be eons better than they are now, but DeSantis would be much better and it would raise the bar. Because, again, I I say this a hundred times on my show, but he was on this show a year and a half ago and he said if he had other governors to work with, he would have a state-based return to Mexico policy with legal immigration. The problem is no one else will work with him on that because they're too scared to do that. He would be 10 times better. Right now, he's so far ahead of everyone. It's like, Even on COVID, a lot of us are like, man, I want him to do more, go further, go further. And I do want him to go further. But it's a little bit hard when you're already 100 light years ahead of everyone else out on a limb. So anyway, there's the corporate politics and there's identity politics. But I did mention there's a third category that you could make as a third category. Now, really, I could tell you usually it fits into one or both of identity and corporate, and that is federal funding. That's the other big Achilles heel. If you remember with COVID, the the biggest problem we had with the legislatures, uh, we can't tell the hospitals uh, not to do the you know mask and vaccine mandates because CMS, the CMS mandate, they're, they're going to cut off funding. And mind you, they never did that. Like DeSantis challenged them he, with the National Guard. They refused to implement the mandate in the Florida Guard. And I was told by, by, this, by the office there that actually the feds never did anything. They never cut off salaries. They didn't have the guts to do it. The irony is they won't even at least go up to the line. All right, like let's say the feds do it. You could always retreat. They won't even go up to the line for fear of feds cutting off funding. Now, again, a lot of that often is either identity or corporate because the corporations want the money or it's you're cutting off money for poor people, for black people. So they're scared they're going to be hit with those charges. But 
you know, it, it is valid to say maybe it's a third leg of that stool. I'm telling you, th this is what we do here. We take politics to the next level that others won't do. I'm not going to work for 15 years and another 15 years with the same failure. And we try to identify why, why are we going wrong? If every red state would say the tranny agenda, illegal immigration, criminal justice, biomedical security state, Green New Deal stops at the border of our state. That would that in itself, either it would serve as a deterrent, and I think it would with a lot of the feds and the rest of the country, or at a minimum, it would give us a respite in our own states. And folks, this is the only place we have to go. There's nowhere in the world, as much as I bash our, our, our country and our government, there's nowhere better I can go. I know Tucker's interviewing the Hungarian president. There's this big, big trend on the MAGA right to slobber over Eastern Europe like it's some sort of utopia. There are things in isolation that maybe are better, but it's not. Believe me, you don't want to be there. They're not for freedom. In a vacuum on some cultural issues, they'll, they'll be better. But believe me, you wouldn't want to live there for the most part. The red states are all we have. We're on paper, the majority or even supermajority of the public, if they would know what we're putting out, they would agree with us. But yet, we have this mismatch of governance, and this is why we have it. And we have one person breaking the paradigm. Okay, so that was a long introduction to this story. I didn't even know about this, and this is really where I think DeSantis' office, and I know they're busy with the hurricane now, they do a bad job even selling the greatness of of, of, the, of their own guy. Because I didn't even know about this. I saw it in Politico randomly in, in the playbook today. DeSantis tells Biden, keep your IRA funding. IRA stands for the Orwellian Named Inflation Reduction Act. That's the Green New Deal. Hundreds of billions in subsidies. Now, I have to call this out or for the, for the good because I called for this. I said that governors need to reject our IRA funding like they did Medicaid expansion. The linchpin of our future relies upon this. They want you guys to live with nothing. They want to destroy our standard of living. As we said yesterday, this is a pro-life issue. They want you to live without energy, which means people dying. Now, they can't openly and directly and immediately do that. So what they're doing is they're having a camel's nose under the tent, a Trojan horse. Oh, we're transitioning to more efficient and clean energy. And then it's kind of like the scorpion and the frog when you're midway. Oh, whoops. We took you off life support from the energy that actually helps to give you energy that doesn't. Oh, well, I guess you'll just be without energy. Kind of like you see with California. You know, make sure you get your electric vehicles and then they don't have enough electricity. Oh, well, actually, you better not plug in your electric vehicles. That's where they want to go. And Republican governors are slurping it up. Biden even called them out in the State of the Union address. You guys all opposed it. And then you come at the ribbon cutting ceremonies to celebrate it. And it's more in red states than blue states. It's actually... Um, South Carolina, Georgia, the Dakotas, Texas, Oklahoma, Tennessee is huge, just gobbling up the funding. This battle will be more than any other battle 
will be won or lost in red state rejection because the red states generally have more land. And because, ironically, this stuff is so not eco-friendly, it uses so many land resources, the solar and wind farms, that it, 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 it's mainly the red states that they're targeting. President Joe Biden is offering one of his White House challengers hundreds of millions of dollars to spend in a state. The only problem? The opponent is refusing to take it. The Inflation Reduction Act makes Florida eligible for some $350 million in energy efficiency incentives, a.k.a. crap. But DeSantis rejected the funding and other measures. And there's nothing the White House can do besides hope he changes his mind. The rejection has the potential to create significant ripple effects politically and economically. They're right in the coming months. As the president's cabinet members go around the country boasting about the IRA rebates for energy efficient purchases, the majority or the or the of the majority of the funding that DeSantis has refused have played a particular prominent role. That's not just because they underpin the administration's climate agenda, but because they provide direct rebates to consumers. You understand from their perspective, they're admitting this is the linchpin. The IRA allows governors the authority to block a handful of its programs. And with it, the power to blunt the political impact. The political, that, that's the important thing of this legislation. And the political impact is transitioning us from energy that works to energy that does not. Through a veto of his legislature's request, DeSantis turned down $5 million to set up the rebate program for consumers to buy energy-efficient appliances and retrofit their homes. It also effectively blocked $341 million to fund the program because the state would need the administrative money to apply for the program. And he also rejected $3 million in IRA funds to help the state fight pollution and rebuff the Solar for All programs, which would have paid to help low-income access solar panels. DeSantis also vetoed $24 million in grants from the bipartisan infrastructure law. So far, DeSantis is the only governor to signal that he will block energy rebates. On the smaller sums, they note that he's one of four to turn down the pollution mitigating thing. Um, you have Idaho, Montana, Nevada, North Dakota, and South Dakota. I'm sorry, no, 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 no. South, South Dakota, Iowa. So Nome and Reynolds did turn down. This is a tiny, much smaller program. And then Kentucky's Democrat governor, which is surprising. I don't know why. But then, the, so that's the pollution mitigating thing, but the solar fund for low income is Florida, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, North Dakota, and South Dakota. But the major things in the IRA for the green energy credits, he is the only one. And they note in this article that they're scared, Democrats are scared of this turning into Medicaid expansion. Exactly as I said. Believe me, I track with the Democrats. What they don't want us to do, I say we need to do. That is what we need a movement to whip support for. Imagine if every talk show host would say, shame every red state governor into following this, praising this, but they won't touch it because of Trump. This is the moral hazard. You want to vote for Trump, vote for him early, vote for him often. I don't care. But don't not praise. I, I mean, this is, I know it's a little bit subtle and it takes a little bit of an IQ to understand this. This is a big effing deal. This is the linchpin. It doesn't sound very sexy, but it's the linchpin of one of the greatest challenges we face. And it also represents every other issue. Because again, it's the corporate, it's the identity 
politics and it's the federal funding. He is willing to turn down federal funding to do the right thing on a major issue. Take yes for a damn answer. Again, I'm not even saying take yes, vote for him. God forbid. No, 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 no. Mr. Trump. I get that. But I'm just saying at least praise it, use it as a model and pressure the other governors and legislatures to do, to do this. He vetoed his own legislature that did a lot of his bidding. And 95% of them endorsed him for president. And he turned around and vetoed their stupid green energy stuff. As well as their jailbreak bills. That is a level that's 50 light years of what, over what I've ever seen. There's things I wish he would have done stronger. There's things I wish he'd campaign stronger on. And I'm going to push for that. And I'm going to convey that. But at some point, you got to take yes for an answer. This is the linchpin. But nobody will do this. Nobody's willing to lose anything. I don't want to lose federal funding. I don't want to lose the corporate donations. I don't want to you know, be, be, be called a racist. And then those are the people in office. And then the influencers and the, the media conservative conglomerates on the side are like, oh, I don't want to get a better relationship with, with a Republican governor. So they're dead silent. Again, this political article, read it. It's titled, DeSantis Tells Biden, Keep Your IRA Money. This article is unbelievable. This article is everything. Okay? It explains exactly how the left understands that if red states would reject it, the green energy goes out the window. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, how do we repeal it? We need to maybe a defund fight. I mean, I'm calling for that. They don't have the votes to repeal it. But what if every governor would just reject, reject it? The blue states will still do it. But the overwhelming, like let's say 50 state, 50% are blue, 50% are red. Maybe 80% of the landmass is in red states. And, and, and that's why they have so much leverage over this issue. This is one of the most important issues. When you talk about economy, cost of living, liberty, freedom, quality of life, our entire future, essentially human beings, it relies on this issue. And they will not pursue it. So these governors like Bill Lee and Henry McMasters and Brian Kemp just lopping it up. And nobody will pressure them. Because nobody wants to risk anything. But that's a great transition to our next guest. So folks, when you contrast the type of people we've been talking about to Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, our next guest, it's just unbelievable. Again, these people have the strongest hands to play. Whether you're a talk show host earning millions of dollars and you could wield so much influence and you have almost nothing to lose, but you think you're going to lose something, so then you make us lose everything because you just don't want to do the right thing. Or you're a governor and a state legislator in a deep red state where the public agrees with you on these issues and you won't fight for it because, oh, I don't want to lose federal funding. Something like that. The opposite of that is someone who is in the military, right? You have very little leverage to fight back against your commanders. You have almost no sovereignty. You sign a lot of it away. 
And one of the two people that we've been fundraising for, and again, I'm thankful to all of you, we've sold out the all thousand uh, signed copies of our book, Rise of the Fourth Reich, with 100% of the proceeds from Steve Davis and myself going to Sam Siglov and Mark Bashaw. Two people that laid it on the line, that actually had everything to lose and nothing to gain, but did the right thing. They defied tyrants. They defied lawlessness. And, you know, I'm very haunted by, there, there's this line in, I believe it's an AP article about Lahaina and the fires where the police were telling everyone to go back. And there's a line there, this is a direct quote, only those who disobeyed survived. And I'm thinking about that. And it just really is the perfect de description for Lieutenant Mark Bashaw. He was an entomologist and preventative medicine officer at the Army Public Health Center um, in Maryland, close to where I am. He was 17 years in the military, and his whole job was to look out for public health concerns. Well, he sees, whoa, um, masks are a public health problem. Vaccines, the way they were created, is a public health problem. And also, they are unlawful because they're emergency use, so you can't mandate them. And he refused. He spoke out. He was a whistleblower, and he was court-martialed, and he was he was convicted because he did defy, but the judge was sympathetic to his case, recommended no adverse action be taken against him, but then the commanding general retaliated against him and basically pushed him out with a general, um, you know, discharge where, where that's not honorable, and he has lost everything. He has no job, no pension. And after 17 years in the military, there are a lot of people that have not been made whole. So we we certainly appreciate you guys, uh, you know, helping just a little bit with his expenses as well as formulating a federal lawsuit because uh, there is a lot to expose here. And he is with us today to discuss this and more. Mark, thanks so much for joining us and thanks for standing for us all. Hey, Daniel. Appreciate you having me. So, okay. So could you just finish the story for me the last time we spoke it looked like things were going good the judge really kind of sided with you and recommended that no adverse actions be taken against you but here you are kicked out of the military how did that happen yeah so like you alluded to the commanding general used the conviction uh even even with the judge's recommendation to drop everything hint, hint, he's a whistleblower he's a protected communicator even with that recommendation from the judge the commanding general decided to use the conviction as means for elimination from service after 17 years and um you know throughout the entire process i've appealed i've rebutted i've i've petitioned i've asked for redress and they've had plenty of lawful ground to stand on to do just that uh, but they've refused to do so and just went along the lines of uh, destroying me and eliminating me from service as fast as they possibly could. So could you describe for our listeners what that looks like family-wise and practically for yourself and people like you that we just kind of move on as if nothing happened? They say, okay, there's no more mandate in the military. But the people that actually led and said no— what 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 where does that leave you? Um, I'm assuming you're roughly my age, upper thirties. Um, yeah. 
what, you know, what are your job prospects? Yeah. So 36 years old, uh, 17 years in the military, many of us, um, who stood up against this and said no on the unlawful basis, uh, given general discharges with character statements of unacceptable conduct, or a lot of these enlisted service members got a characterization of um, uh, serious offense, so conducting a serious offense on their on their thing. So when you go for a job, and your employer or the potential employer asks, you know, whether you were in the military, a lot of times they ask for your DD-214. And on that DD-214 are those characterizations, which is a big shadow. And so a lot of questions then become asked. So a lot of these service members, including myself, are having an incredibly hard time finding employment after, after being unlawfully discharged from service for refusing these experimental products. And also, you know, when you're in the military, and you have a certain time frame that you're looking towards transitioning to civilian life, it has to be done on your timetable, but you have a certain plan to go into a certain career. But if you can never envision uh, Joseph Mengele coming and doing this, you weren't obviously prepared to transition into a civilian career. And obviously you do have a lot of experience in public health. And this is the irony that your job was to be that lookout man on the boat for the military right hey you know these yep. are some public health concerns so you're like well we got a lot of young people having strokes and heart attacks so right so do i have this correctly two things number one is you were refusing the vaccine and then they would leverage against you masking and testing but all three of those were emergency use authorization interventions that pursuant to law cannot be uh, forced upon a soldier. And number two, as as a public health officer, you are doing your job and serving as a whistleblower to saying, hey, there's a policy in the military that is harming people. So it's those two things. Exactly. Exactly. So you're absolutely right. They were using the testing and the masking in a further coercive tactic weaponized against the individuals who had strong convictions or personal beliefs against these experimental process in, in the hopes that they would then participate. So, so even after this quote unquote mandate came out mandating something that didn't exist, which is the FDA approved um, COVID-19 vaccines again, didn't exist. Even after that, for all the, quote-unquote unvaccinated, they weaponized the testing against them. So in order to access a federal building or your place of duty on these military installations, they said the, quote-unquote, unvaccinated must test twice a week with a negative test. And, and just like you alluded to, even the testing is experimental, emergency use authorized, in the fact that the service member must be given the option to accept or refuse these products. And we found that a lot of them were contaminated. They have to be recalled. I mean, there's a whole, that's a whole nother can of worms. I unfortunately uh, never delved into that much, but there's some major problems with some of these tests. There is a huge can of worms with the test. And in fact, it's the case rate, it's the testing, it's the, all of that propaganda that was instituted and, and created from the testing, right? So we have this whole pandemic generated from a uh, PCR and these rapid antigen kits that they were handing out like candy 
And that was, as a public health officer, my duty to inform people and to inform my leadership that, hey, these are experimental emergency use authorized. There's reagents, these reagent solutions inside these testing kits that are toxic. And we're handing these out to service members to conduct these tests on themselves or forcing them to test. And the, oftentimes people are using these tests wrong. They're shoving things uh, up their nose that are, that, that are contaminated with the reagent solution, which shouldn't be um, happening. Uh, your body shouldn't be uh, in contact with that reagent solution. And the, the testing kits are also impregnated with ethyl oxide, which is an, a carcinogen. And my simple request was, hey, these are experimental emergency use authorized. We must be giving service members the option to accept or refuse. You cannot use them in a weaponized manner because a service member has a conviction towards the other EUA products. Mm. So, so, yeah, you're absolutely so through and through completely unlawful, weaponized, tyrannical um, behavior from leadership throughout the executive branch. So I don't get it. Didn't you go back in front of the same military judge? Um, how, how did they successfully kick you out? They didn't accept your claims as a whistleblower? Right. Um, they refused to accept my claims as a whistleblower from Senator Ron Johnson's office. Senator Ron Johnson's office even submitted inquiries to the Department of Defense stating that, hey, this is a reminder he's a protected whistleblower. Yes. They ignored that. And uh, the Secretary of the Army, Secretary Christine Warmuth, signed off on my elimination uh, paperwork even after I petitioned her three separate occasions directly to her, giving her the lawful means and the justification not to do what she was doing, which is completely unlawful uh, and tyrannical. So a lot of Republicans in Congress think that they solved this issue with the mandate. Well, there's no more mandate. Um, but explain for us what you would like to see as we head into September. We have an NDAA on the authorization side. We have the defense appropriations bill. What you would like to see redressed? What provisions need to be in those bills to make this whole again? Uh, first and foremost, there needs to be accountability in that bill stating that any commanders who violated uh, federal statute, specifically United States Code 10, uh, 1107A, which gives the service member or, or whoever failed to give the service member the option to accept or refuse these products needs to be held accountable. And number two needs, there needs to be an unlawful provision in there stating and redressing the fact that legislation already exists that protect a service member from being experimented on. And number three, we need to make whole all of those service members who took a stand against this, yes. spoke up properly yes. to their chain of commands and highlighted the unlawfulness of this. They need to be reinstated, and, and it's my prerogative that they need to be reinstated and given at least uh, promoted to, to the next two grades, um, because these are leaders. These, these are, are the leaders. leaders. That's who we want in the military. That's unfortunately who the leadership wants out. What are you hearing in terms of those still in right now? Are, is there still soft retaliation or soft discrimination against those that are refusing to get the vaccine? 
Absolutely. There, in fact, uh, I know for a fact the Army is still um, codifying who's getting it, who got, who's getting the COVID-19 injections and who's not. In their database, they're highlighting them as red or green. So even though this quote-unquote mandate for the COVID-19 uh, injections was rescinded in the previous NDAA, the Army and, and the DOD as a whole is still tracking whether or not people get this injection and who got it and who didn't get it. And, and, and furthermore, to your point, uh, there's shadow policy in, in the fact that uh, a service member becoming uh, favorites, uh, the individuals who didn't participate becoming less favoritable, and, and the, the, whether it's their evaluations on annual evaluations or assignments they get or TDYs or opportunities, uh, there's always that shadow policy that's that's affecting these individuals to this day. And then also, you know, aside from the mandate stuff, and I absolutely agree with you, I mean, this needs to be done now. How in the world could Republicans back down from that fight? It would be a 70-30 issue if they would pursue that, especially now. And, and also, I mean, they're going to bring this back. They're bringing back these right. mandates. They're yep. going to bring back the testing. Because the reality is, like I, I know it in my own community, there is something going around. I mean, we all know, A, the virus is not natural to begin with. It's a bioweapon. B, the endless vaccination created viral immune escape and made people more vulnerable to it. Now, I think even those people, now it's really more of a cold. But the point is, it is going around. So they're going to continue with this testing, which the testing itself is, is, is a degree of risk that I think has not been explored enough. But it's definitely there, as you articulated. This needs to be redressed immediately, but also even without the mandates. Well, no, because they are mandates. Even without COVID vaccine mandates. Uh-huh. Everything we've learned from vaccines the last few years, especially respiratory viral vaccines, that antibodies ain't all hunky-dory. There's a lot of inflammation. There's a lot of risk of autoantibodies, autoimmune. It's not uh-huh. okay anymore to just say, yeah, you're in the military, just, oh, what, you're just going to get a ton of vaccines. And that was always the mentality. But right. in 1983, now I don't have the number for the military, but I'm sure it tracks pretty closely. The childhood vaccines were 10, 10 shots in 1983. Yep. 2013, there were 32. 2022, there are 74. And now in the pipeline, they want to blow this out even higher. At some point, we need to say, wait a minute. You as a 17-year public health officer in the military, don't we need to epidemiologically start looking at what are these effects on the military, you know, just bombing them with so much inflammation, even beyond the COVID shots? No, absolutely. And I would argue that there needs that needs to be looked at. And it, it might actually point to the tribute. Uh, it might actually point to our suicide rates. Um, why, why service members are committing suicide at such an alarming rate? Is it something to do with these injections that they're forced to take throughout their service to our nation? And to the service members out there, specifically, I'm talking to you. At no point when you sign up to serve our country and support and defend the Constitution against enemies, foreign and domestic, did you sign away your rights? In fact, you signed to protect those rights. So if you have a conviction or a right of conscience, whether it's religious or not, against an injection, you have the ability to submit an accommodation to enjoy those rights that you defend. Wow. Wow, that is, that is wild. Um, it's it just, it just to, to, to think about that. 
defend the Constitution and then you get served as a lab rat for the violation of the most sacred human rights. It's it's truly so sad, and that's why we want to support your endeavor. Give us your big-picture message of why you took the stand and what you hope that does in society. You know, we have three branches of government. We have state, federal, and, and county as well, layered in three different geographical ways that are all supposed to serve as a check and balance. But there's another check and balance, which is really the ultimate bulwark against tyranny. Describe that. Yeah, my my ultimate reasons for doing what I was doing is because I didn't serve this nation and my brothers and sisters didn't die in this uniform. So the country, my countrymen and women of this, these United States of America had to submit to the tyranny of a government or have to submit anything to a government telling them what they should or should not do with their businesses, with their children, with masking, with testing, with injections, none of that. And big picture is this. We must, at a local level, get involved and start standing up against tyrants. We know that regardless if the FDA comes out with a uh, approved injection or approved products, regardless, the credibility has been destroyed. And we must stand and communicate to these public servants that they work for us and explain to them and and serve them, whether it's an official notification, whatever that process is, but we must stand together against tyrants, defy tyrants. Yeah, and, no, no, and, and, it, and it works. And, and not to cut you off there, but I think what's very important, Mark, is that to, to put a positive tone on it, I have seen a number of these hospitals that wanted to reinstate a mask, there were stories in, in California, they actually backpedaled because there was backlash. Now, the problem is, dude, I mean, it's three three years too late. I mean, it shouldn't even right. be a, they shouldn't be able to lift right. their heads above water to promote something like this in public anymore without being ridiculed and, and being thrown out. But, you know, it's not where we want it to be. And this is what we needed at the time it actually mattered. But yeah, and even even in the service, I mean, we see uh, the Veterans Affairs Administration in, in reinstituting mask maintenance in certain places, and we see this this coming back. and And we have to, I mean, at what point is an individual say enough is enough? Like, like, were you not paying attention the last three years? No. And and <laughs> COVID uh, COVID right. doesn't exist. I'm just going to tell you in right leaning circles. No one cares about this issue, and it, and, it, and it boggles the mind, despite the news of the past two weeks. It boggles my mind, and, and, and I'm glad you brought up the EUA. For you, it was an important legal argument that, I mean, really, you shouldn't be able to mandate anything, but EUA, at least in the military, you can't. But as you noted, now they'll just give full approval. They just gave full approval to the RSV shots, despite all the issues with it. They don't care, and and we right. need people to say no. You, you know, When they pledge their their sacred honor, their fortunes, their lives to each other. Most of us don't have to do that. You have to maybe lose a little bit, lose a little bit of honor, lose a little bit of uh, comfort, uh, uh, friendships or whatever. But I can't find anyone in my line of work, despite how much money they earn, and it's pretty substantial, willing to take a strong stand on the issues that matter and the way it matters on the leverage points that matter because they're scared of pissing off certain people and here you you gave up your entire career 
So, I mean, it's something we really, really appreciate. By the way, I, I got to get this from you before we go. Wasn't the guy behind this order Colonel Vinman? And is he related to the Vinman who is the lead witness in the Trump impeachment? So Colonel Vinman was, is the twin brother, yes, is the twin brother of Alexander Vinman. They both got fired from the Trump White House for that quote-unquote uh, whistleblower uh, impeachment hoax between uh, Ukrainian president and Trump. His twin brother, uh, Yevgeny, went to be the staff judge advocate for Aberdeen Proving Grounds, which was my base. He's <laughs> the one that signed off on uh, court-martial against me and brought me uh, to a court-martial and persecuted me in a court-martial even after I submitted the protected communications to the commanding general. Um, and so, yeah, he was he was one of the main players in, in my persecution in the court-martial. That is wild. That 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 is crazy. The connection with Ukraine and the bio labs and COVID fascism is is a pretty fascinating discussion in and of itself. We're at a time here. Where could people follow what you're doing and and what's your next endeavor? Yeah, so they can follow me at I have a website with all my documentation. If people would like to follow along and check that out, it's ff1776.com. Again, that's ff1776.com, or they can check me out on Twitter, or, or X, I guess is called the new platform, at, um, at MC Bashaw. Um, and so they can check me out over there to post. Uh, usually I post updates and um, things going on with service members and just, you know, the tyrannical happenings of our day. Well, that we, we certainly appreciate it. And if we had a fraction of the people doing what you were doing... I mean, and this would be over. This would be over with. But this is the bottom line that you have to be willing to lose something to fight tyrants. Because if you don't, we will all lose everything. That is the linchpin. We appreciate patriots like you. We appreciate all of you listening. Let me know your comments, questions, concerns for Lieutenant Bashaw. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com is the email. Please leave us a five star rating on iTunes if you can. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.